0: If you could stand. And we are reading from Matthew today, chapter 1. It's going to be verses 18 through 25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man, Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep, and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. You may be seated.
1: Well, good morning. Merry Christmas. It's a pleasure to be able to sing with you. I hope you have a good Christmas. trust that you have a good time with your family, and if you travel, don't go over the pass. Go around it. Um, I hope that you enjoy, um, yeah, the gatherings. I don't know if you noticed in one of those songs, the Noel song, I found it interesting that uh, Christians are odd, particularly because that song will be sung throughout the entire world and I'm an American and have submitted to the King of Israel. Um, we're an odd people in this regard that we know that Christmas is kind of a big deal. Um, I, I smile as I, we've been able to enjoy many fellowships throughout this week and we'll finish uh, fellowships throughout this week and going home when it's dark and seeing lights in the darkness proclaiming something and i imagine that many people recognize the centrality of christmas but for those of us who know who christ is we realize that the salvation that we've come to inherit was not originated by the will of man but specifically and entirely by the will of god i want to look at joseph um I I had two choices. I could look at Joseph and I could look at Mary. Um, Joseph, maybe it's harder for me to identify with Mary, but um, uh, we've looked at Mary before. But Joseph here in Matthew, in his gospel presentation, presents to us the first response towards this child who was born king. And we recognize, like, in our gatherings, we do this weekly. Like when we sing together, we're worshiping together. We recognize that we're fellowshipping, that we're celebrating together. And, and, and in regard also, in our gatherings, which are regular, there's this regular reflection that we participate in. Um, I hope you expect this from your pastor, that I don't come up here and bring anything new before you. Rather that bring up what the church has always held and believed and stir our hearts and reflection all over once again to the church that we have in Christ. And so this Christmas, I, I like, when Mary was told she was pregnant by the power of God and the Holy Spirit, her response was, how in the world? Like, how can this be? Joseph, when he realizes that his betrothed future wife was pregnant, when he perceived her, he thought, the relationship's over. In their mindset, they recognizing, yes, that they're being a Jew of the line of David. They were eligible to be the participants of those who could bear the child, who could be a blessing to the world. Had no idea that it was going to be them. And in a strategic moment, God exercised. And as we reflect together, I just want to reflect in light of coming up to Christmas. To realize that Joseph and Mary, this was not their intention we have christmas by the will of god just as we come to realize in john 3:16 for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son joseph and mary were participants in the will of god that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life for god did not send the son into the world to judge the world profound reality but that the world might be saved through him. And so, at the right time, at the strategic point in history, as we read in Galatians, like how Paul writes it there, but when the fullness of time came, at the right moment in which God determined, think about it, 2,000 years, we still worship this reality, this event. We recognize its significance. God sent, not Joseph, not Mary, God sent. Christians are odd in the sense that we believe that God who creates all things can infuse his power into creation and do remarkable things, even humble himself into the womb of a woman. But when the fullness of the time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, just like us, so that he might redeem those who under the law, that we might receive the adoptions as sons. So I want to just stop for a moment as we head into this Christmas week like, and just consider Joseph's perspective. Matthew chapter 1, man, Joseph saw something and I think 100% of the time what he saw was right, except for when he heard, this was not by the will of Mary, this is my act. And as you read the story, you can just see God's initi- initiative and in that, Joseph, you're not the father. God, by the will of God, placing the child within the womb, exercises his fatherly, fatherly rights, determining for the son what he will do, what he will be named, and Joseph, his responsibility to his son. And so through this, I just want to stir our minds in reflection, once again, the situation that Joseph faced. And I do think what Matthew does for us is at the end of this passage, we'll be convicted of how we are to respond to the situation that Joseph faced as well. Because Joseph, man, yeah, just place yourself in his position and I wonder how we ought to have responded like him. Verse 18, from Joseph's perspective, now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. Um, The scriptures are interesting They give more detail to the conception of God rather than the birth of God. The virgin birth is significant. You can see in Matthew, he's born. Magi come and they come to worship the born king. Luke, he's born, the angels show up. There's more detail given to the preparation for the conception of God within the womb of of Mary. Excuse me. Consider this now. Now, at the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother, Mary, had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child. From Joseph's perspective, um, this is not natural, like, or not, he doesn't understand. By natural perspective, he sees that the relationship's over, but Matthew clarifies. She has been found with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man, not wanting to disgrace her, or shame her, planned to send her away secretly. It was not Joseph's intention to bring shame on Mary, recognizing the situation in front of him. It was his desire. Yeah, clearly this relationship's over. This just, Not going to work out. And so as a result of this, look at it. The way that Matthew presented, he was a righteous man. Not wanting to shame her and publicly humiliate her. He planned to do it secretly. And I would imagine, if we were just to be reasonable, like 100% of the time, I've always stressed this, 100% of the times, this is the right right response to the situation when you see this. And it's at this moment that God intervenes His wisdom, his intent to Joseph in the means of a dream to declare what is actually taking place. Um, Why? Um, When God infuses his power into creation, it is his intent that his creation not miss it. Um, I, I find it interesting, even to this day, that for some people, the virgin conception is highly mocked or rejected. But I will say this, as all Christians historically, the virgin birth is crucial. For in it, what humanity comes to, or Christians have come to hold and believe as it is revealed in the context of the text, of the scriptures, is it, it demonstrates it was never Mary's nor Joseph's intent that this child arrive. It actually arrived purposely by the will of God. God initiated this action. And if this is true, that God is initiating this child into creation, into our dwelling, then it is our understanding that we can read now with conviction, for God so loved the world that he sent it's God initiating the grace that we've come to enjoy. It's not Joseph. And Joseph's blown off or blown away by this reality and by God's grace. God reveals his intention. And you can see this in verse 20. And praise God that God clarifies. Because Joseph would have continued on his bath, of disgracing, or not disgracing, but uh, separating from hers her secretively. Look at verse 20. But when he had considered this, set his mind to it, behold, I love Matthew. He does this all along the way within his gospel presentation. Something is about to happen in which God is going to infuse his power into his creation. Behold, look, see, observe. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David. It's important to clarify like, Being a Gentile, I tend to think that Joseph is blown off guard by what's going to take place. Joseph knows, being in the line of David, it's possible that through him, he could bear the child who could be the Messiah who blesses the world. And God giving promises, which, man, we're being Gentiles, sometimes unfamiliar with the Jewish culture, have been given promises. Promises to Abraham. Through you, Abraham, there will come a son who will be a blessing to the nations. David, given the same promise through you, David, there will be one who comes who will be born king, and he will be king of the nations. And it's, re, this reality has taken place, spent, spoken thousands of years ago, just as we have proclaimed in song this morning, Noel, 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 Noel. born is the king of Israel. And we are residents of Washington State. Gentiles declaring in submission our submission to a king born of Israel. Joseph, son of David, the eligible person to have born, to give birth, uh, through whom could be a blessing to the world. Do not be afraid. Let me clarify. <laughs> Let me clarify why Mary's pregnant. Do not be afraid. To take Mary as your wife, For the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Christians, just like Jews, believe that God can can infuse his power into his creation. We've come to realize this. We've gone through Romans. We're almost done. We're more than halfway. Let me clarify it that way. We're more than halfway. We just finished chapter chapter 12 but if you could remember back in this is not going to be on the slide so you can just listen to me or you can turn there but Romans chapter 1 like when God created creation he created it in a specific way that his creation could recognize his power right so this is what Paul teaches in Romans 1:20 for since the creation of the world his invisible attributes his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. All humanity, God created creation to demonstrate His power, and His creation regularly proclaims, just as we read in Psalms 8, this, the creation sings without a voice, proclaiming there's a God. And Christians recognize that creation plays a role, but when God intervenes and exercises His power outside of that normal habit, He clarifies. And he's clarifying it here to Joseph. I'm infusing my power now into the womb of Mary. Do not be afraid. Scary. Man, could you explain that? Joseph goes back to his parents. Mary goes back. Like, she's pregnant. Well, it's not me. God did it. There has got to be some clarification. But God said, do not be afraid, of this reality, for she has been conceived in her, this conception is by the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, anytime, anytime humanity has faced the power of God, you see this explanation, especially in Matthew, do not be afraid, because it is powerful. Um, there's two incidences, if you would just allow me. Um, I don't think you would stop me anyway, but if you would allow me. There's two of them that are really quite remarkable. That when humanity sees God infusing his power in a particular way in humanity, they are afraid. It's like the mind has a fuse. And when God's power is exercised, it just goes, and it blows. And God loves doing that for humanity to recognize how wonderful he is. Matthew 14. If you remember, Jesus has begun his ministry, and he tells them, get in the boat. You're going to go to the other side. And as he, they go out into the boat, you remember the story, we'll read it, but there's a situation as the waves get difficult and they're stuck in the middle of this, this storm. Read with me. And halfway through it, you're going to see this response. Do not be afraid. Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat, and go ahead of him to the other side. While he sent the crowds away. And he had sent the crowds away. He went up on the mountain by himself to pray. This is Christ. And when it was evening he was there alone. Verse 24. Turning the attention back to the disciples. But the boat was already a long distance from the land. Battered by the waves. For the wind was contrary. Love the way that Matthew does it. It's the idea of like you're stuck. You can't go forward. You can't go back. It's literally... You can't go anywhere. It's like the winds are just hurting you. You can't go back. You're in the middle of the, the sea, and so you're stuck. Verse 25. And in, in the fourth watch of the night, poor guys, they got to be getting tired. And in the fourth, fourth watch of the night, he came to them, Jesus, walking on the sea, God infusing his power, like normal man doesn't get to do this. But we believe that God can infuse his power. We call it miracle. Right? That's what we call it. It's an act of God's sovereignty over his creation, and he walks upon the seas. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. You can see the same phrase, the reality of this that Joseph faced. And they said, It's a ghost. They're being logical. Right? What category do you place this? Like normal people don't walk on water. Maybe a ghost. They're being logical. If, If God doesn't intervene for Joseph and demonstrate I'm infusing my power into creation, into the womb of Mary, Joseph has nothing to go off of. It's a ghost and they cry out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. Now look at their response. Normal men don't walk on water. Peter said to him, Lord, if it is you Commend me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. Peter got out of the boat and he walked on the water and he's now what? He's a normal man. Right? Normal men don't walk on water, but he's going to find out normal men who trust in the one who can walk on water can walk on water. Pretty cool. So God not only can infuse his power into creation, but he can enable those who trust in him to do the same. I think that's cool which allows us to have the comprehension of why there can be a virgin birth. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Verse 28, Peter said to him, Lord, if it is you, if it indeed is you, command me to come on the water. He said, Come. Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water, came to Jesus. But he's a mere man. But seeing the wind, he became frightened and began to sink. And he cried, Lord, save me. I want you to see their response, witnessing God infuse his power into creation through Christ. Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand, and he took hold of Peter and said to him, You of little faith, why why are you doubt?" And when they got into the boat, the wind stopped. And those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, You are certainly God's Son." Christmas is such a profound reality for us as Christians because we believe that God can infuse his power into creation in order to save humanity. And we're going to get specific here in a moment. But we genuinely hold, not by the will of Joseph, nor by the will of Mary, did Christ arrive. It was by the will of God that he has come. And when the disciples were faced with this, this, this power of God, they were frightened. But their response was, you're God's son, Two, When Peter and James and John realize that Jesus is supposed to go to Jerusalem and die upon the cross, Peter rebukes Jesus. He says, no way. Jesus says, stop it. That's, that's not how God thinks. That's how Satan thinks. And he rebukes Peter for, for hindering the plan of God. Jesus takes Peter, James, and John, this is the third occurrence, where you'll see this phrase, do not be afraid, in the Gospel of Matthew, and Jesus is going to take his disciples up a mountain, and in this moment, God's once again going to infuse his power before Peter, James, and John, and they are going to be terrified. Why am I doing this? Like, one, I think when we recognize the, like, the baby in the womb, some of us are not impressed. I, I, mean, like, I think that's just being honest. Um, because when Jesus shows off his power, people fall like dead men. Like, you'll see this here. They're terrified by him. And so when we think about the virgin birth, we not only see God infusing his power, but demonstrating his incredible humility. I mean, think about it. The God who hangs the stars sitting in a womb. That's crazy. Humbly waiting patiently. The one who has fed every generation throughout all time now will sit in front of his mother waiting for the spoon to come. Incredible humility. But when he shows off, and God demonstrates his power through his son in profound ways. The men who see him, the women who see him, are beside themselves. 17 verse 1. Uh, Look at this. One more point. Joseph never sees any of this. I I think that's why I wanted to spend on looking at it. He never sees Jesus show off, so to speak. And his response is significant. I think that's why I wanted to turn here. But we'll get back to him. Verse 1. Six days later... Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, his brothers, and they led him up on a high mountain by themselves. Behold, he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his garments became as white as light. Jesus is starting to show off here. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to him, talking with him. Well, that's a big deal. That doesn't normally happen. Peter's response said to Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here. If you wish, I'd make three tabernacles here. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. peters he's excited. He's ecstatic. This is normal. But while all this is taking place, look at verse 5. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice out of the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, you know, when God exercises his power into creation for humanity to witness, they fell their face down to the ground and were terrified. Just a glimpse of God's power. They fall down. Jesus came to them, touched them, and you'll see it for the third time. Jesus said, Get up and do not be afraid. Lifting up their eyes, they saw no one else except Jesus himself alone. When you read the Gospel of Matthew, Joseph is not going to see the the, the demonstrations of Jesus in his life. But not to say that when Mary is pregnant by the Holy Spirit, that this is nothing. Like He's not going to see this baby in the womb feed the 5,000. He's not going to see him walk on water. He's just been given this revelation. The woman is married by, or not married, the woman is with child by my will, not yours. And look at his response. Well, no, 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 let's not go there yet. Look at the clarification of the father. She's not your son, Joseph. She will bear a son. God exercising his power is actually even determining the sex of the child. And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. That verse alone, that one verse, demonstrates intent. Like as a father, I recognize that in my own children, there's an intent that I want to raise them up to do certain things, like work good, work hard, be obedient not be a problem for society. But here the father, it's like, it's not you, Joseph, who's the father. The father, the father, God the father is determining for Joseph what his son will do. She will bear a son. Oh, by the way, you're going to call him Jesus. And this is what he's going to do. He's going to save his people from their sins. Let it be clear that Christ came to save humanity from their sins. He has not come to give us good instruction, which he did. He came to deliver us from that which oppresses all people. And God the Father reveals to Joseph the intent of this arrival. So Mary's pregnant, not by her will, nor by your will, but by my will. And it is my will that this son whom I call Jesus, whom you will call Jesus, to train up to do such. And this is what he will accomplish. He will save his people from their sins. Poor Joseph, he's not even the father. Right? He's he's going to play the father. But the father, God the father, is determining what the son will do. Like, for God so loved the world. He sent. He sent his will to accomplish. And God clarifies for this. Begotten by the Holy Spirit. Um, One more point as we go forward to point two. I had a professor that would often say, like, there's Class A miracles and there's Class B miracles. So some of us sometimes exercise and and rejoice in Class B miracles. Like, being healed of cancer is a big deal. Um, And we can recognize, and doctors have testified this, like, God did something, right? God delivered you from cancer. And miracles like this are great. But there are portions within Scripture where we say this is a Class A miracle. That this is outside where it's so significant, no one can argue with its significance. And the Jewish people, of all people, trusted in Class A miracles, the Red Sea crossing. A wall of water on one side, and wall of water on the other side, Class A. It was so superior to a Class B miracle that it sat in its own position. When Abraham and Sarah were without child and she gave birth to a child after being, a, well, Abraham, 100 years old, class A miracle. Being born with child, or to have child without the normal natural tradition was a class A miracle and that for God to determine all that he was going to accomplish and reveal it before the child even walked is significant. And recognizes that we recognize this is a significant part of our Christian tradition that Christ was set aside specifically to walk to the cross to die for our sins. Class A revelation. And I want to look at Joseph's response. Um, from God's perspective, this is point two. Um, if he had not used history to demonstrate what he was about to do, look at verse 23. Well, let me start at verse 22. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. All that I would like to just to, to emphasize here is sometimes we look not coming from a more of a traditional Jewish perspective as if somehow God just decided at the birth of Christ he's gonna save people from their sins. At that moment, the Jewish people recognized that God was doing this all along. Hundreds of years before, they were prepared that God would send one who would be a king, who would be a Messiah, who would deliver his people from oppression, and what he would accomplish. And so they anticipated it. And when Jesus was, so Joseph, he's not being asked Trust in God with no previous information. He actually has previous information and God is clarifying for Joseph, this is what I said then that you can trust in. And through that revelation, Joseph is able to respond obediently. Um, from God's perspective, and I've already hinted at this, like I said class A miracles and class B miracles, this is a class A miracle If you understand the Old Testament, any time that God shows up, um, Exodus. Um, I think one of the reasons why, uh, before I go to Exodus, one of the reasons why I think the incarnation of God, the conception of God, doesn't impress us is because we use three ladders to clarify Him, G-O-D. And in the length of a word, as God as supreme as He is, we just use the the smallest consonants to define Him. But when you read the Old Testament, when God shows up, he he terrifies people. Um, Exodus chapter 19, I'm not going to go through all of them. I just want to put the image and reflect on it. When God showed up at Mount Sinai, this is what happened. They had seen the Red Sea crossing. They had seen the 10 plagues. But when they showed showed up at Mount Sinai, God showed up in a profound way. Chapter 19, verse 16 through 19. So it came about on the third day, but when, when it was morning, that there was a thunder and lightning and preparing you, God has just told Moses, "I'm coming." And when he comes, there was thunder and lightning flashes in the thick cloud upon the mountain and very loud trumpet sound, so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. Praise God, Mary did not have to endure this, right? Jesus came as a child, humbly. But the incarnation of God becomes powerful when we recognize how God previously came to his people. And Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God. And they stood at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was all in smoke, because the Lord descended upon it in fire, and it's and its smoke and its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace. The whole mountain quaked violently. When the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, louder, Moses spoke and God answered him with a thunder. And it terrified the people so profoundly that the nation of Israel said, please tell God to stop talking. Um, Because if he continues to talk, we will die. And so at that point, God initiated a mediator, Moses, to go up before God and talk to God. And the significance of this like Ezekiel, he talks about when the voice of God speaks, it's like the sound of many waters and the earth shone with its glory. Like, it, like when God, some of the psalmists write, when God merely looks at the earth, the earth trembles, and the mountains melt like Wax. And so that's the perspective that God is being presented in the Old Testament. And the Jewish community recognizes this just as the Gentiles like us who hope in Christ come to realize that the humbling of Christ within the womb of Mary is significant. And it's a profound human, or not human, divine humility that God demonstrates that we ought to appreciate. Um, We know that God is powerful. And in light of that power, we see a God who's willing to identify with us. Like You can watch Jesus' ministry. He gets hungry. Um, he hurts. But not only this, he, he can sympathize with us. So when I read the phrase, when, when God says, he will, his name will be Emmanuel, God with us, what Joseph and all of us are coming to realize is that God, it is by the will of God that he know us. That identify with us. And that's awesome. And so he knows what it's like to go hungry. He knows what it's like to lose family. We don't know how long Joseph actually gets to walk along and see his son grow up. In Hebrews chapter 4, Hebrews, author of Hebrews reflects, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but one who has been tempted in all things, as we are, yet without sin. So therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. So the phrase, God with us, signifies a God who wants to help us. And he's humbly positioning himself to do this. She will bear a son, Joseph, and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. As the author of Hebrews clarifies again in Hebrews chapter 2. Therefore, he had to, to be made like his brethren in all things. So that he might become merciful and a faithful high priest in the things, certain, things pertaining to God. To make prohibition for the sins of the people. For since he himself was tempted in that which he has suffered, he is able... This is what makes Christmas so profound for us. This is why we sing about it. This is why we say, submit to the one who is king of Israel. He is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. And Christmas is a big deal. Because God, like children, ran up to God, Christ, and sat with him. The disciples walked with him. And the question that Joseph has, or the, the response that Joseph has to this information or even ourselves is do we believe in a God who can infuse his power in such a way? That's really what Christmas is all about. Can't God, if He so humbly willed to reveal himself in humanity as a human being, but yet still be God, exercise his power in such a way to free humanity from their sins? Can he do that? Joseph's response, I think, is the response of why Matthew puts him in the very beginning. I think it's the point three, our convictional response as we look at Christmas ourselves. Joseph, seeing all this, hearing all this, considering all this, when he wakes up, look at his response. Look at verse 24. When Joseph awoke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife. It's like the first sign of obedience in Matthew. The reason why the Gospel of Matthew was written, mind you, it was written to a Jewish audience who killed their Messiah, who crucified Him and rejected Him. And Matthew writes the events of the life of Christ as a demonstration of how to respond to the Messiah. And Joseph is interesting because like I've already said, He will never see Jesus walk on water. He'll never see him feed the 5,000. This decision that he makes in verse 24 is entirely dependent upon whether God can infuse his power into the womb of Mary. And upon hearing it, he responds in obedience. Some of us, and I'm not just saying you, but I would also invite myself into this can become very critical of the Christian faith that we want to know as much information to make a decision whether Christ is king and that he demands our full obedience. And we, we have to consider Christ and we want to measure Christ and evaluate Christ. And I think that's helpful and that's good. Anyone who makes a decision to follow Christ should take the time to consider him. But I think Joseph is being presented here is that you always don't need that. Sometimes, it's just believing in a God who is able to infuse his power into his creation. And Joseph, you didn't get to determine the will of this son, God is, and the intent and the accomplishments that he will do, save his people from their sins. And when Joseph hears about the child and what he's going to do for him, he knows he's a sinner. And as a result of being a sinner, everything he hopes in, Rests upon this child, and so when he woke up, what does he do? He got up, he took his position, married his wife, and hoped in the child, and never saw, but to this point, seed the profound miracles of which this man would do, thereforth from, ahead of his in the life of Christ, even including the resurrection. And Christmas, I think, that's something a reminder for us. It's like have we come to recognize why Christ came and what he came to accomplish? Because if God can't infuse his power into the womb of Mary or upon the waters, then we have nothing to sing about. We have nothing to celebrate on Friday and Saturday. But if God can infuse his power into creation and can come, walk the life that we all would walk and be without sin and then atone for our sins upon the cross and then he can in three days conquer something that no man has ever been able to conquer and resurrect from the grave then we have something to celebrate and if this all of this then was accomplished not by the will of ours But by the will of God, then we know of one who can be with us. A God who wants to walk among us. And we sing, knowing that he has been gracious. That even after his resurrection, that he ascended to the Father. And he said to the disciples, invite the nations. For I will come as king. And when I come as king, I will be God with them. But before I come, let the nations know about my coming kingdom. And to this day, we have seen the gospel come even to the regions of West Richland. Hearing upon a God who can infuse his power wherever he might want, desiring to have a life with you, with me. And if that's true, we have something to sing about. We have something to gather around about regularly around to consider and reflect So I don't know where you're at this Christmas. For some of us, we're just remembering this all again. God loves you. He sent his one and only son so that whosoever believes in him shall not perish if they hope in him that his death on the cross would atone for their sins. Be reminded of these things. Rejoice in these things. Never let it grow old. God wants to be with you. He desires that you not perish, but have everlasting life with you. The means by which to do this is to respond like Joseph. Awake from your sleep of death. Hope in the child. Take and receive him. And if that is your hope, and if that is your response today, may, or may you have the best Christmas. And the Christmas is to come. For he has come and saved us from our sins. Let's pray. Lord, we recognize that a man is saved, not by works, but by faith. It was by the will of God that Christ, at at the, the appointed time, came into the earth. And he came to accomplish the incredible work of atoning for our sins. We recognize that we are sinners. And we recognize that we mess up our families, we mess up our relationships, we are sinful. We rebel against you, not honoring one another whom you've created. But by your grace at the proper time, Christ was sent to atone and bear the wrath that was due us. And by faith, we hope in that. And Lord, we are thankful that even though we are nations away from Israel, our hope is is in the King of Israel, who has promised He will return on the clouds of glory and be our God who walks with us for eternity. And Lord, as we wait for Your return, Lord, I pray that we be faithful to celebrate Christmas rightly and look forward to the day in which You will once again infuse Your power in an incredible way, putting and eliminating death forever. We long for those days. But until then, Lord, let us be faithful to proclaim and, re- and put before people the response to respond in Christ and faith this Christmas season and remind us of that response that we ought to as well and have enjoyed. Um, Lord, we recognize that this Christmas we will be gathering with people who do not know Christ and, and I recognize that the conversations of to bear Christ with joy and to have the gospel preached or declared patiently and clearly, Lord, we often stumble over our words but you did not hesitate to save us. You spoke your gospel plainly. Let us be a people who are just as humble as your Savior in this season to proclaim the excellencies of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together.